Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day and another win as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 475. At the top of today's show, we've got the postgame show where I chat with Marissa Pilla and Ike Reese as the Eagles advance to 3-0 with a 25-11 win on Monday Night Football against the hosting Tampa Bay Bucks. What went into this win? Well, offensively, 200 yards rushing once again. DeAndre Swift, for the first time in his career, he goes over 100 in back-to-back games. Relentless defensive line play. Outstanding reps here from Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox. Stop me if you've heard this before. We're going to get into that here in the show. It's going to take us all the way up to Nick Sirianni's press conference. And if you want to listen to that, and if you want to also check out Jalen Hurts, DeAndre Swift, they also checked in uh, with reporters after the game. Make sure you go check out the entirety of the post-game show. You can check it out over on the Eagles YouTube page. Now, before we get things going, Again, make sure if you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Make sure you're subscribed so you can get this show and all the rest of our shows sent right to your podcast device each and every time we drop a new episode. We're going to be back with Greg Cosell. Special release of Wednesday morning uh, this week, obviously coming off the Monday night game. So make sure you are subscribed so you can get that episode sent right to your phone. we got a short week. Turn around here getting ready for week four. Lincoln Financial Field against the division rival Washington Commanders. A lot to hit on here this week on the feed, but it all starts with the postgame show tonight. Let's get it rolling here. Marissa's going to lead us in. It's time now for the postgame show. Happy Monday night, Eagles fans. Welcome to the Eagles postgame show presented by Rico. My name is Marissa Pilla, and I'm joined by Fran Duffy and Ike Reese. I know it's a late Monday night, so this is, surely will wake you up. This never gets old. Eleven days off. You were rearing to go with that one. That felt good. <laughs> I did. That felt good. That felt man. a little pent up there, a little bit. I. Well, I tell you, listen. We we haven't watched the team. Fran just said it's yep. been eleven days since we got a chance to watch the Eagles, and getting a chance to see them tonight on national TV. Um, there's obviously things we can comb through. Things they still need to work on. That's the good part about this team and this game and where they're at right now. That there's still room for improvement and areas to grow. But you go on the road get a big win, and a night that was supposed to be a celebratory night for Tampa Bay and everything. You go on the road, get the win the way you're supposed to, take care of business, Eagles 3-0, and on to the next game. And that's the thing is you did it on both sides of the football too. Once again, another great night running the football. I thought Jalen Hurts, yes, two interceptions, but he had a great play by the corner coming back from the backside and then a miscommunication on the other one. I thought Jalen looked as calm and decisive as he's looked all season long. The run game kept turning. And then defensively, they just swarmed Baker Mayfield. They forced him to a couple turnovers. The pressure was constant. The run defense was outstanding. So just a really well-rounded victory tonight for this Eagles football team. And I would argue maybe the most convincing victory we've seen out of the first three. This was the only week three matchup of two 2-0 teams. Now the Eagles get to leave Tampa Bay with a 3-0 record, starting their season 3-0 for the second time in a row. And to your point about Jalen Hurts, I know he had those two interceptions. We were talking about this while we were watching the game. 
he looked so much more calm and less panicked. His decisive decision-making to me was the Jalen Hurts we saw last season. He looked calmer when seeing all these different pressures, and I think that speaks to the first two defensive opponents the Eagles have had have put this offense through the ringer, have put Jalen Hurts through the ringer, showing him all these really obscure schemes. How much do you think that has played a role in helping Hurts kind of get his feet underneath him this early on in the season? I think it has definitely played a role, and this is the, this is the the National Football League. You're going to have to update your resume, improve each and every week, each and every year. That's just how it goes in this league. And when you have the type of success the Eagles and Jalen Hurts had last year, you best believe they spent all offseason, I'm meaning the Eagles' opponents, trying to figure out how do you slow down this Eagles' offense. When you can be as uh, dangerous as the Eagles have the ability to be, through the air or on the ground, whether it's with Jalen running the ball or DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell running the ball, it puts a defensive coordinator in a difficult position as to what do you want to take away. So the first two weeks, you saw a lot of junk defenses, a lot of things to try to confuse the Eagles as an offense. Um, and what you saw tonight, I thought you saw a little bit better of what the Eagles wanted to do. They had answers for some of the things that Todd Bowles and his defense tried to do to confuse the Eagles' defense. And although they didn't score 30-plus points tonight, at no point tonight did I feel like the Eagles' offense was stopped, stymied, or anything else. They had some self-inflicted wounds, but for the most part, they marched up and down the field all night. Yeah, they, they, you never felt at any point like, oh, you know what, like Tampa Bay, they're, they're right there, right? Because you, the Eagles had control of this game throughout. And to Ike's point, you go back to 11 days ago, the Eagles taking on the Minnesota Vikings on Thursday Night Football, Brian Flores and all the different junk defenses, as I talked about. What exactly does he mean? Well, all these three-man rushes where they show eight guys up at the line of scrimmage or seven or six guys at the line, and then they drop everybody out. There were 14 reps where they ran or they rushed with three defenders and dropped eight in coverage. That is unheard of. You do not see that in the NFL. So the, the Vikings, they went with a very unique approach, and the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, they progressively had adjustments throughout the game. You saw them start to, to hit on some of those big plays downfield. Now you come into this game here against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Early on, we saw some of those three-man rushes. We saw them drop eight into coverage, and again, the Eagles were able to move the football. So they had answers for what Todd Bowles and the Bucks were presenting. I'm excited to go back into the film and really chart it. So we'll talk about it here moving forward uh, on the rest of our podcast and the rest of our content here this week. But I was really impressed with the adjustments and with the plan that the Eagles offense had going into this game against Todd Bowles. That's a big challenge. And we talked about adjustments even last week against the Minnesota Vikings. They had to make in-game adjustments. It's one thing to adjust. It's another thing to execute those adjustments and get away with a win. So to be able to layer that and do that in real time, I think just shows that the Eagles are a team that just can never be counted out because while the first two wins were, okay, we got the win, we can kind of move on sort of thing, it speaks volumes that they were able to do that in real time. And now, as you said, they had a little bit more time to prepare for what they were going to see. Heading into this game, after the Vikings game, Nick Sirianni said, how do we get better? We need to keep getting better. Where did you see the biggest growth from two to three? In the passing game. I mean, I think you saw growth in the passing game tonight. Uh, they were able, Jalen was able to go to multiple receivers. Alameda Sakea's first touchdown uh, for him as an Eagle. Um, he wasn't a part of the of the, uh, the offensive game plan two weeks ago. So the fact that they're able to hit guys like Zacchaeus, who's filling in for Quiz Watkins, A.J. Brown, his best game of the season. Still didn't get him in the end zone yet, 
but he's getting closer and closer. But I thought he had a dominant performance tonight. Uh, Devontae didn't have as big of a game as far as numbers-wise, but he was certainly part of the passing game, and Dallas Goddard. I thought Dallas Goddard was a bigger part of the passing game tonight, and we were able to even get throws to some of our backside of the backfield. So I say that to say the Eagles' offense looked more difficult to stop from a passing game standpoint, whereas the first two games of the season, it didn't seem like we had many options out there as far as where we wanted to go with the football. Tonight, it felt like Jalen used the entire repertoire that was available to him, and they, they still ran the ball. Everybody wanted to say, oh, we're running the football too much. This isn't a running league. Well, listen, when you do something very well in this league, you don't change that until somebody forces you to change it, and that's what you saw tonight. DeAndre Swift over 100 yards again running the football and adding Kenny Gainwell in there. He also put up good numbers tonight. So I thought they had the ability to put, uh, move the ball through the air and on the ground, which is I thought through the first two games we've been pretty much one-dimensional, whether it was all pass or all run. Yeah, Gainwell and Swift combined 30 carries, 173 yards. Uh, Swift himself, he went over eight yards a carry tonight against the Bucks defense. They were number two, number one in the league in the against the run entering this game. And he is shot out of a cannon. You see him hurdle the defender at the third level. Just outstanding decisiveness and burst there on a number of those runs from DeAndre Swift. And that's honestly, that's one of the big adjustments I like a lot, Marissa, is that when you make that adjustment say, you know what, hey, let's, let's get to the run game, let's slow things down, let's really kind of get things going here offensively and be efficient with the football, it can be a little boring sometimes. Hey, let's go inside zone, let's go inside zone, let's go inside zone. It's like a boxer where you've got rib shot, rib shot, rib shot, and you want to go and you want to go for the knockout blow. But if they're going to leave their chest open, I yes, keep going with those it. body blows. And yeah. that's exactly what this offense did. Yeah, and, and we, we've talked a lot about the offense, but I want to give Sean Desai and his defense. Yes staff a lot of credit for the way these guys played tonight. I thought this would be a game of which defenses can make the most plays and who's going to keep the other opposing team's offense out of the end zone when you get down to the red zone. And he got some of his players back tonight. Reed Blankenship, big interception right here. This guy is just a magnet to the football. And then the big guys up front. Watch how these guys are rallying to the football. And what I love about that play there from Jalen Carter is that he didn't just go up there to make the tackle. He went there with the intention of punching the football out. Got the ball right back to the Eagles after they had just turned the ball over. I think the Eagles as a defense, look at this play. You, you, you um, stymie the Buccaneers offense at the line of scrimmage and you get a safety there. They played well on all three levels tonight. The defensive line, the linebackers flew to the football, and I like the way our secondary played. Even though we got a couple guys banged up tonight, guys had to come in and fill in. Um, that's probably the only thing is that you want to try to get the injury bug off of you. But I thought tonight our defense played its best game of the season. Especially in the secondary, I think, for sure, yeah. because that's always been a little bit of a moment for the Eagles, yeah. especially in week two when we had all those injuries in the secondary. It was kind of like, oh, geez, who's going to be – I'm fine with our defensive line. I mean, right. it's one of, if not the best in the league. But once they pass that level of protection, what happens then? And I think the secondary and the safeties, everybody really did such a good job of cutting off those deep plays because that was Baker Mayfield's bread and butter heading yeah. into this, was him being able to look down the field 
field, and the Eagles made him so uncomfortable. That was a huge key heading into this game was don't let Baker trick you into thinking he's a really good quarterback. He's Baker Mayfield. We kind of know what to expect with him. prove it to you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Make me sh- – show me who you really are sort of yeah. thing. And, and we know you have questions at home, so don't be afraid to drop your question for Ask Ike presented by Pond Lehockey, and we will send it over to our man Ike, and he will answer them throughout mm-hmm. today's game. And Ike, to your point – about getting the receiving game going. This was the most yards they had receiving all season, 277 yards receiving. And I think what you said, too, about distributing the ball well, hitting different people in different looks. How much do you think that plays into uh, Jalen Hurts just looking so much more calm and being able to see those things? Because he had different rushes and people coming at him, and to see those little looks here and there, scrambling, finding people down the field. Well, he's definitely more calm and comfortable back there in the pocket. And even when he's getting pressure around him, he doesn't seem as panicked or frantic as he may have seen in the first game of the season, right? When you're still trying to get used to live action, no preseason games. I thought he looked much more comfortable in the pocket, even when he had to scramble to extend plays. You take, for example, the uh, Alameda Sakaeus touchdown. I'm sitting here yelling, run, run, run. I mean, they, the <laughs> offensive line did a great job of protecting him, and he sat back there in the pocket. He yep. waited for somebody to get open. And he delivered a nice strike to Zacchaeus. So that lets me know that he's comfortable with his protection. That's the one thing a quarterback needs to feel. He needs to feel comfortable and secure that the guys around him are going to pick up the the blitzers, the rushers, the way they're supposed to be. And that way he doesn't have to escape the pocket so that he does feel comfortable. I thought he did a great job standing in there, and he, he went through his progressions, and he delivered the ball where it needed to be. And that's the thing. That trust can go a number of different ways as well. You saw a quarterback on the other side who kind of lost trust in that offensive line uh, in Baker Mayfield as the game went on. But I think when you look at Jalen, uh, not only the trust in the O-line, but you go back to that Zacchaeus play, trust your guy to go make a play. He got rid of that ball so early. Uh, Zacchaeus was not open when Jalen Hurts let go of that football. He threw Olamide Zacchaeus open. He put it on the far side of the field, let him go up and get it. Also, just trust the scheme. I'm going to break this play down a little bit later in the show, guys, and I thought that he showed Jalen Hurts a great understanding of the route concept against the zone coverage. Where Where is my the, my weakness here in the coverage, on the back end? Let's get to Olamide Zacchaeus deep in the progression because I know he's going to break open. So you got trust in the O-line, you got trust in the receivers, and trust in the system. I thought that was a great example of exactly what you're talking about. And who wouldn't have trust in this offensive line? I mean, their athleticism is just undeniable at this point. But what, to me, really is so exciting is their ability to play with DeAndre Swift so well. What is it about the nuanced strengths of this offensive line that plays right into what DeAndre Swift does so well? I believe they trust their scheme. They trust their technique. Jeff Stoutland, best offensive line coach uh, in the National Football League. And you got two different styles of running when you're talking about DeAndre Swift. And Kenny Gainwell back there. You know, DeAndre Swift has that ability to make jump cuts. So he has the ability to to bounce runs at times when he feels that's where the ball should go. So as an offensive lineman, you can't necessarily worry about that. You just have to block the assignment there. And they do a good job of trusting the assignments. They finish their blocks, and they allow the runners to basically just run off of them. If If you see color here, then you take the run to the outside or you bounce it in the inside. I think the offensive line do a great job of not trying to do too much. They understand the scheme. They know where the runs are supposed to go, and they trust the running backs 
to hit the hit the uh, holes where they're supposed to be hit. And that's the thing is when you have the speed that DeAndre Swift has, I mean, it, when he sees that open, it goes back to trust, right? When he sees that open, trust that it's going to stay open and just go. He had that 29-yarder, the one where he hurdled the safety that we saw a little bit ago. Uh, and Marissa, you and I were watching, and we said, man, like, look, look how fast he got to top speed. And then they showed the replay right after from the spider cam right behind him. And – I could have parallel parked my SUV <laughs> in that hole. Just an unbelievable job from the Eagles' offensive line, understanding, hey, you know what? This is the weak spot. This is the, the, the weak spot in the, in the front, right? This is where they don't have anybody in this B-gap. Let's make sure we're getting our movement. You had good job, good job on the backside from the double team. That created some space for Swift to go. He put his foot in the ground, and he got north-south. Well, it was very much the offensive line playing Moses tonight, parting that Red Sea. Yeah. I mean, as you said, those gaps were massive, and they were just able to – to have their way with Tampa Bay. Is this what you expected, or did you think that Tampa's defensive line would put up a little more of a fight? I actually did think Tampa defense would put up a little bit more of a fight because they have a pretty good run defense. I like the linebackers that Tampa has and Devin White and uh, Levante David. They like to fly to the football. You're talking about Vita Vea up front. He is a space eater, so it's usually difficult to run in between the tackles. But you know what the Eagles said? Prove it to me. Prove it to me. We like what we have up front. And when you look at their interior part of their offensive line, Landon Dickerson before he got banged up, Jason Kelsey out there, and then you got the young fella and Cam Jurgens on the right side, they did a great job of getting movement. So whether it was getting just a little movement or you had to do these combo blocks to sort of make sure Vita doesn't win the line of scrimmage, they were able to do that. I mentioned about uh, the runner backs being different styles of runner. I want to give DeAndre Swift a lot of credit because although he has that ability to be a shifty runner in sort of a Shady McCoy sort of fashion, he's been disciplined and not relying on that too much. Yep. This is an offensive line that if you go north and south, there are going to be lanes for you there to run, and he's trusting that. That's what you've seen last week against Minnesota and tonight. You saw DeAndre Swift get downhill, get behind his pads, trust where the ball is supposed to hit as opposed to trying to make a big run and he, he allowed that to develop. So, yeah, you trust those big guys up front. They're going to move bodies for you. And even if you only get three or four yards, it's okay. Eventually, it's going to break. Can I tell you what I love about both guys, too? We've seen three games now so far this season. Gainwell was obviously the workhorse in week one. Swift last week. And then both guys essentially split carries tonight. Between those three games, one carry for negative yardage. How about that? But between all three, all three games. That is outstanding for both – uh, Kenny Gainwell and from DeAndre Swift, uh, both guys up near the top of the league in terms of how often they've carried the ball, the, you know, the explosive plays, one negative carry between those three games. That's outstanding for those two guys. And I know you talked to Jeff Stoutland earlier this week previewing this game, and yep. he talked about how the offensive line should be like synchronized swimmers. And I love that analogy yep. because we saw that synchronicity today, that coordination between everybody, that trust. It all comes out in everybody knowing where you're supposed to be at the right time, doing the right thing. And, it, guys, it's pretty thing to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm glad you used the word synchronicity and I didn't have to. Because I don't think I've ever used that you word. You nailed in it. Yeah. yeah. But I've, at least I heard you say it. Word first of the day, yes. synchronicity. I like that. <laughs> I think you should start the show next week with a synchronicity! <laughs> just, just get it off that way. Yes, we're in synchronicity. <laughs> we I, I are. Like Guys, like we, we are rolling. And I think, so I was taking some notes at halftime because Tampa Bay, they entered this game 2-0, but we said they were more so pretenders than contenders. The first time tonight that 
Tampa Bay turned the ball over. They did it twice. They were kept out of the end zone in the first half. They were held scoreless in the first quarter for the first time. And they failed to get into opponent field position mm. in the first quarter for the first time this season. Small sample size. It's only week three. But why were the able, Eagles able to do that? Defensive line. The Eagles defensive line. I mean, we know that this organization loves to build from the inside out, right? And they start in the trenches. On the offensive side of the ball, it's the offensive line. That's the foundation over there. On the defensive side of the ball, it's the defensive line. That's the foundation of this team. And I still believe it's probably the, the deepest and probably the best unit overall on the team. Their youth movement up front, they have some savvy vets that, that, that can still hunt and get after a quarterback like Fletcher was doing tonight. But those young guys in the middle, there's no denying Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter make a huge difference in what any offense can do because they are so disruptive. I watched that play on the safety that, uh, that the Eagles got. You watch Jordan Davis eat up two blocks. I mean, not only did he eat up two blocks, they couldn't move him. Like, he basically stuffed them at the line of scrimmage, and that allowed – um, I can't think of our linebacker. Morrow. Yeah, yeah, Morrow to jump through and make a big play there. So I love what our defensive line is doing. And anytime they go up against an offense where an offensive line may have some starters missing or what have you, mm -mm. you're in trouble. Like, you're in trouble. <laughs> I thought that was the strength of our team last year. And although we lost some very good players, I think they replaced those guys with some, with some guys that may have even a higher ceiling. I mean, Jalen Carter, my goodness, tonight – the, the world got a chance to watch same. him play yep. tonight. Man, I guarantee you he's going to be the talk uh, of, of football, you know, coming up here in a few weeks because he's wrecking everything. And that's the thing is that you go into week one against New England. It's a rookie. It's his first game. A lot of the offensive line protections, they were sliding towards Fletcher Cox and a lot of those third downs. And Jalen Carter, uh, he had a bunch of pressures in that game, was getting to quarterback Mac Jones throughout. And then you saw last week and you saw tonight – Teams are switching up the way that they're sliding. It's going to be sometimes towards Fletcher, sometimes towards Carter. Sometimes both guys are still going to be able to win, like we saw on that sack. But that's what we've said in the last few years, Ike, right, about when you had Cox and Hargrave out there. You had to pick your poison as an offense. Yeah. Are you going to slide to Hargrave or are you going to slide to Cox? One of those guys is going to get a one-on-one. -on -one. The Eagles now, they, they maintain that now with both Carter and Cox on third down. And Jordan Davis continues Man. to shine as well, getting after the quarterback as well as stopping the run. Yeah, he's playing both the run and a pass. Yep. Yeah, Jordan Davis. Yeah, I'm going to say I think what everybody is thinking is going to be very groundbreaking. Jalen Carter's very good at football. <laughs> yeah, he's got a shot <laughs> to be doing, good. <laughs> he's doing a very good job. You know, he knows where he's supposed to be. And he's, he's playing heads-up football, too. He makes extra little efforts that I think are really impressive for a rookie. How do you make the case that maybe he's one of the best rookies that we've seen out of the Eagles recently. Oh, I mean, I think it's very easy to make to make that case. You're looking at a player who's stepping right in from day one, whether he's a starter or not. He's an impactful player from day one. He was the new, he was the talk coming out of training camp. Everybody was enamored with his size, his speed, how he can be disruptive on the line of scrimmage. Well, that has transferred from training camp to the regular season. And now he's going up against guys that are all pro, pro bowl caliber players. And he's just a young rookie out of Georgia, 22 years old. And he's already receiving double teams. He's already receiving when they do game planning and they have to put an X on the player <laughs> that everybody has to know where he's at. He's starting to be in that category. And it's just the third game of the season. He's going to get better as the season goes along. As long as he continues to improve and keep working at the craft, 
because this is a league that's about technique. It's not just about raw talent. So eventually they'll get a book on what he likes to do and try to come up with a way to defend him. He's going to have to have a counter to that. But right now, man, I, I just – the best – I remember Corey Simon. I mean, Corey Simon came in his rookie year. I believe he had nine sacks, eight or nine sacks his rookie, his rookie year. year. I think so. I think his rookie year he had eight Sheesh. or nine. And I think that might have been his highest, isn't he? Okay, yeah. Was his rookie year. I think so, so yeah. I, I think he may have had nine sacks. Either way, he's he's like the last guy I remember from a defensive tackle standpoint right. coming in and making the type of impact that he's having um, because of the talent that's around him. Mm. And so what happens is it allows for him to play in a one-on-one type of atmosphere because you have to worry about the Hassan Reddicks, the Fletcher Cox, some of the other guys Whereas when we, when Corey was young, he had the Hugh Douglases, Hollis Thomases, those guys, and Corey could flourish. Doesn't take anything away from his talent. It just means it helps when you're going to a team that also has more talent around you. Because now you're not the focal point of the defense. It's nine and a half sacks. I just it was nine and a half sacks rookie year, right? Good memory, yeah. I don't remember that. That is insane. (laughs) I don't Um, remember a whole lot. (laughs) Well, look, I mean, to me, two things off what you just said. Number one, you talked about Jalen Carter and the system he comes into. The play that he makes, where he you know gets that 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 uh, the strip on the the, The the, the fumble. How many times have we seen Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat, those guys chase a screen down or a quick throw down? And, yeah, maybe they don't force the fumble, but they make that play in pursuit. That culture is already established in that D-line room. So you love seeing that from Jalen Carter already kind of, you know, working himself into that culture. The second thing I think you're just talking about from, like, a scouting standpoint with Jalen Carter is that this is a guy, if you could talk about baseball, a five-tool player, right, or a guy, a young guy coming up, a young pitcher where he throws, you know, 105, you know, on the on the radar gun, but, oh, he develops that changeup. He's got the changeup, too, or he's got the curveball, too. That's what Jalen Carter is right now. He's got that ability to win with speed. He can win with power. He can win with technique. He can win with effort. So you start checking all of these boxes, and a guy that has an understanding of when to pull that club out of his bag, right? So, hey, I'm going to win with speed off the ball. Oh, he, st- he blocked me with my speed. Now let me instantly convert to power and, cr- and collapse the pocket and get to the quarterback, get into his lap, impact the throw. We've seen that time and time again from him. That's what's been most impressive to me. Is just that This is a guy that has a natural feel for playing the position at such a young age with his talent level. The sky's the limit. You hope that he can continue to do everything right uh, off the field, continue to improve, learn from all these vets. It's just going to be so much fun to watch him continue to develop. And I think what's really fun to watch him play is not just him himself, just the athleticism, the intelligence he has, and how he's able to read the game, but it's how Fletcher Cox can play off of him and kind of the the ignition that you see in Cox from how Jalen Carter plays, someone who is such a seasoned vet through and through, true professional, a true eagle, and to have that kind of spark but beside you as a rookie, I feel like it just raises your excitement level. Not that Fletcher Cox really really needs it, yep. but it just raises his level being ready and because he knows that he doesn't maybe have to take the brunt of certain things. He can kind of come in and do more nuanced moves as they combine for that sack. And I think it's really interesting to have that kind of spark, that young, youthful spark where you can Trust him to do not just what he's assigned to do, but to go above and beyond. You're, you're so right. And especially about Fletcher being re-energized, right? What is it, his 11th or 12th season? And sometimes you may not have the same level of excitement coming into the season as you would have had in your fifth or sixth year. Yep. But when he's lining up next to a guy like Jalen Carter or Jordan Davis, these guys do give him a little bit more energy. And Fletcher's a competitor. Um, that also – 
makes you want to do better as a player. So I, I, I think it's a great thing. They, they get a chance to learn from one of the best Eagles of all time. He's a veteran, a six, seven-time pro bowler, right? So, and then he gets that youthful energy from those guys. And it's not on game days because everybody's ready to go on game yeah. day. It's the practices. It's, it's the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practices when Fletcher is out there and he has those young guys lined up next to him. They get him going through practice. And I know Brandon has talked about that. That's, that's one of the things that they love about the defensive line room, that there is a, that youth movement in there where you got a nice mixture of both. Yeah, and then also just the, you know, watching the way that Fletcher reacted after those big plays, looking right at Jalen and celebrating with them, right? So you kind of saw all those guys kind of come together. You get a sense of the energy in that room. And we actually heard from Brandon Graham, too, in the locker room. So let's hear what he had to say. Woo! Boy, that hit! Oh my goodness! I don't know. Did he get a? Uh, did he get two halves or did he get one half sack or half? Half. Oh, okay. Hey, I'm just proud of the proud of the guys. Ninety. Uh, you know Jordan. Both of them. You know you can see that confidence. Like I told them boys, it should be a duo. You know what I'm saying? And, and of course, Fletch out there balling too. You know I was happy to see just the guys up the middle. You know the way we support each other. Man, it was a good, it was a good game, man, and uh, something that we can definitely keep building off of because it's a togetherness man that I'm starting to see that you can't it, it can only happen while you play you know and I'm, I'm just happy that we win it Woo! I think he speaks for everybody <laughs> when we think of uh, Jalen Carter and how he played today uh, you love hearing that you just love hearing people get excited for one another especially a young guy especially someone who maybe was very much looked over in this draft for different reasons and fell to the Eagles and I think all the teams who were sitting above the Eagles are kind of sitting there like, mm, he's going to be a problem, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I, I tell you, 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 you watch Jalen at Georgia, right? You know Georgia's a two-time national champion, so it's not like these players are unfamiliar yep. to us. We certainly heard of Jalen Carter coming out, but even I think I, I, I'm a little surprised that he's as good as he is as early as it is. And uh, it just goes to show you that all the talk about his athleticism, the brute strength, and how, you know, when he was at Georgia, it was like a man amongst boys being there. Like, it's true. Like, you, you see the raw ability there. You see the ability there. I think that's, that's not something anybody questioned coming out. A um, little bit of maturity needed to be developed there, and I think he came to the right place in the right environment and the right culture that's going to allow that to develop, and we're going to get to see him reach his full potential as a player. And that's, that's the beautiful thing. It's one thing to have potential as an athlete. It's another thing to reach that potential. That's the beautiful thing when a player actually reaches his potential or exceeds what you thought he could do. And I think that's the path that not only Jalen Carter, who is well-deserved of the, the, the praise that we heap upon him, I'm, I may be more impressed with what Jordan Davis has worked himself into being because this guy we thought was just a run-stuffer last year. He's showing that he can play on third down as well. So he did a great job this offseason getting in shape and, and coming back a different player this year. And he's showing you what he can do. Great stuff there from Marissa and Ike. Thanks to them and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our X's and O's content here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.